Brandon Braga. No one asks for these salamanders. No one needs... No one needs these salamanders. We don't understand. <laughs> why? Why, why? Why? Everybody, welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. I am Larissa Maestro, and I'm here with my number one, Lauren Lowen. Hello. Yay! <laughs> All right, man, Larissa, what do we have in store for our listeners today? So I hope everyone is drunk because we're about to talk about. The worst episode of Voyager. And maybe like one of the most worst episodes of Star Trek. I was I was going to say in my research, it, it comes up a lot as perhaps the worst of Voyager, but also one of the worst of just Star Trek history in general. Yeah. This is this is not my favorite episode. Um, This episode is so bad that. Before we ever started our podcast, both of our siblings, independently of each other, contacted us and were like, can you please watch Threshold and talk about it? Yes. I think I think we could say names or maybe we shouldn't protect the innocent. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say her name. <laughs> your sister, Amanda, and my brother, John. Um, And it's kind of interesting because Amanda is a tried and true Star Trek fan for years and my brother watched TNG with me when we were kids but and he's watched some of D Space Nine but he's definitely not um to the level of Trek fandom as I would say you and I are or your sister yeah but because of quarantine and because of our podcast and you specifically he was inspired to just watch all of Voyager so he has a friend who has mentioned things you know, when somebody's like, oh, it's the dinosaur episode or it's the space salamander episode. I think a lot of people call this the space salamander episode. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So for him, this is a recent thing. And he mentioned it because he before he watched it, he said, oh, isn't there like a space salamander episode? Are you going to talk about that? And then once he actually saw it, it quickly changed to you guys got to talk about <laughs> threshold. Oh, my gosh. Uh so my sister, uh, I think we, this is when we were first talking about doing the podcast maybe, or we had decided officially we were doing it. I think this was January of this past year. And I went to visit her at the time she was living in Utah and she brought it up. And then in the months following that, she would like send me a meme about it or she went to the zoo with my nephew and they saw two large lizard things and she took a video of it and was like look it's Janeway and Tom Paris like it's been an ongoing thing ongoing joke so it's the I, I feel like this is a long time coming because I also kind of feel like maybe we watched it for the first time together and we were both like what the fuck was that <laughs> That's a proper reaction to this episode. Yes. I feel like I might be imagining this, but I feel like your sister has a more sentimental or uh, finds this episode a little more endearing. Um, yeah, or am maybe. I completely wrong on that? I, f I feel like maybe she does. My sister likes body horror stuff. <laughs> so my sister enjoys scary movies and like gross uh sci-fi makeup gross like horror makeup that kind of stuff she loves that shit so this episode is sort of other than the fact that it's like written horribly she <laughs> she like those things are very much catered to the kind of media that she likes anyway so so for her is this like a guilty pleasure episode or, oh yeah i think for my brother this is just like this is a bad episode, and I'm glad I saw it once, but I never want to see it again. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, for her, I think this is a guilty pleasure episode. Um, okay. Yeah. 
I, so I have a little story to tell. I made a mistake and I made Dan watch this episode with me. And I think he might have sworn off of all Star Trek for the rest of his life. (laughs) I tried to get Keith to watch it with me and the timing just didn't work out. But he, his kind of thing is he will watch any TNG episode. But once you get out of TNG, not so much. Yeah, probably not. Um, And this one, I I really wanted him to watch it with me because I really wanted his reaction. But it was just not meant to be. But part of me was worried he'd just be like okay, well, I don't see have to see any other outside TNG episodes ever. And it sounds yeah. like maybe that happened to Dan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, tell me, what was his reaction? Besides, he it's bad. hated it. First of all, he was like, this guy is the worst actor I've ever seen. <laughs> Ooh, oh, like Ro- Robert Duncan McNeil. Aww. I know. Well, he doesn't have like a relationship with this character like as far as like trek goes we've watched that we've watched together original series original series movies tng and tng movies like we have never watched any other star trek together oh that's not true and picard we watched picard together okay so was this dan's first voyager yeah it was bad i probably should not have not have made him watch that that one we totally like he got mad He wants his 45 minutes back. He literally does. He wants them back. <laughs> also, did we even mention, we, we keep saying like, this is the worst episode. We're watching Voyager's Threshold. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Two. Episode, episode 15. 15. Wow. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so yeah, let me do a quick recap. Um, uh, Tom Paris has a theory. Or there's a theory about warp 10 that when you cross the threshold into warp 10 that you can exist in every part of the universe. Uh, so there's the potential that if Voyager is able to break the warp barrier, they could be home in a split second. Uh, so they try it out in the holodeck. They uh weirdly get a good idea from Neelix and fix a problem they have and then they do a test run and it works out so they put Tom in a shuttle and they put him into space to break the warp barrier right uh I don't really understand why they couldn't do this remotely somehow or like figure out how to not have a person in the shuttle uh but that's neither here nor there um nor everywhere in the universe. Uh, so Tom gets in the shuttle, breaks the warp barrier, disappears. They're like, where'd he go? Uh, somehow comes back, appears off off the bow of the ship, but they beam him in and looks like he's fine. And they're like, wow, this is so exciting. History's been made. And then he starts evolving into a different creature. Slowly his... Uh, slowly or quickly, depending on what part of the episode we're in, his hands get all weird, his veins start showing in his face, he starts becoming uh, crazy, basically, and and manic. Um, his brain starts to expand and starts to bubble and, f- and like, expand and contract. It's really disgusting. Uh, his skin starts to fall off. He pulls his tongue out of his mouth. Um, his hair falls out, and then he uh, kidnaps Captain Janeway after running into her in an eleva- in a turbo lift, and then takes her back onto the shuttle, breaks the warp barrier again, and disappears. Voyager finally finds them later. They've both become basically uh, what look like large cave salamanders with the external gills on the side. They have mated, had tiny babies who run away. They leave the babies on the planet. They bring Janeway and Paris back to Voyager and then somehow magically turn them back into people. They acknowledge that they had sex and then the episode is over. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah, there we go. That is Threshold. So Larissa and I thought... uh, One of the best things to do now is we wanted to share a couple of comments or questions from our siblings since they were the motivator for this episode. 
Um, so we, we gave him a little homework. We gave John and Amanda some homework and said, please send us two to three comments, observations, or questions, and then we're going to kind of riff on that. And we're going to kind of go ahead and share what they sent us first. And then from there, we will proceed with our our review and our reactions. Um, do you want to go first? Because I love it. You said Amanda and her husband actually sent you a 10-minute long video. Yes. <laughs> they did their own podcast episode. My sister and Zach, my brother-in-law, uh, well, Zach sort of got like roped into this, it seems like, because at the beginning of the video, my sister's like, what did you think? And he's like, I haven't had my coffee yet. I didn't know we were doing this right now. <laughs> Is he a fan too? I forget. He is. He is a fan. Uh, he and my sister are both big fans of Star Trek. Um, but uh, the first question that they had or that my sister had was, what do you think Tom Paris's personnel review was like that year? <laughs> Basically, she was like, do you think they ever talked about it again? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like one of those cool next episode. Never talking about this again. <laughs> right. Uh, her other questions were, um, was their whole conversation at the end of the episode appropriate at all or it completely inappropriate? Um, and then her third question was, what the fuck happened to the babies? They just left the babies. Ooh, yeah. They just left the babies on the planet. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So th- those were hers, right? Those were her questions. Yeah. Okay. My, my brother John and her overlapped uh, a little bit. So okay. here was John's reaction. His first one's just a statement, by the way. I love this so much. Summarizes. Um. My comment is that if Star Trek was a religion, Threshold would give me a crisis of faith. <laughs> <laughs> and then, same John, for same you and Marissa. <laughs> it certainly happened to Dan. It sounds like. Oh, yes. Um, questions number one, uh, which actually I, I'm really excited to talk about this. But what is the moral in Warp Ten causing humans to turn into space salamanders? <laughs> um, a very worthwhile question, which we'll get into. Um, two, is Chakotay guilty of child abandonment for leaving the offspring behind? Here, the yes. doctor could have turned them into humans as well. And then three, would Voyager have been a better show if the entire crew had traveled at Warp 10 and they all turned into space salamanders? <laughs> Think of the possibilities. <laughs> Which I will say, if you kind of want to see an episode where the whole crew starts to mutate, um, watch TNG Genesis. Yeah, it's like season six or season seven. It's towards the end. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's kind of a, a another fun like what the hell is happening? <laughs> if you want to see a character grow gills and not be confused about why they look like a blind cave salamander, you can see that happened to Deanna Troy where she still looks like Deanna Troy, but with gills. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so, yeah. So, man, like. Where, where do we start? I mean, do you want to start with the place they crossed over? Which is, I mean, what happened to the babies? Yeah. Oh, you mean where they overlapped? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the place yeah, where so they... The, I've, yeah. I've seen other fans bring that up, too, where it's like, oh, they just... They, there's literally a line that they're like, we decided to leave the offspring on their new world. And... um. Yeah, that gets brought up a lot. My he, brother brought up a Chakotay point, actually says natural habitat, which I was like, oh, they okay. don't have a natural habitat. They're literally new life. Life. <laughs> and I know you've brought up before that that's one of like Star Trek's missions is he, to discover new life. Out so new I heard life. you in my head saying, bring them on the ship. That's what literally you what you're out here for, even though you're trying to get home. Um, yeah. <laughs> My question is, they went to this planet, and it's uninhabited. I'm guessing they mean by, you know, any sort of alien humanoid life form as yeah. sophisticated as them. But I'm like, do they have food? <laughs> like, will they survive? And also the question is, like, 
I think I, in my notes I just wrote, bye kids. Like, <laughs> time right? to inbreed, I guess. There's only three of you. Yeah. I thought about that too. Like, what happens to the gene pool? Like, what the hell? Also, uh, do they have no, like, emotions about it? They're just like, yeah, never thought I would have kids that are now out there just alone on a planet. <laughs> you know, and just like, I, I think done. my brother brought up a point that I've seen before too, where if, you know, mommy and daddy had the human DNA and they were able just to bloop, like turn them back. Couldn't you theoretically do that with the kids? Cause they would also have human DNA. Right. And then, and then you'd have like, the Borg kids and the Salamander kids, and they could play together Aww, in later seasons. We'd have a bigger school. We'd have a bigger nursery. Naomi Wildman could have a friend so much earlier. See, so I don't know how do you like. How do you feel about that? I mean, very little about this episode makes sense to me. So, <laughs> so I don't really. I mean, the them leaving the babies on that planet makes no sense to me. Also, the fact that, like, they do look very comfortable on that planet. It looks like they evolved to live on a planet like that, which also doesn't make sense since the evolution was spurred by the warp 10 threshold barrier breaking thing and not by, like, being on a, on a particular planet. Uh, I, also- I guess it's one of those instincts things that they're... Yeah. You know, like Tom just knew that's where they need to go. Yeah, I guess. It was convenient that it it was was only three days away. Right, very convenient that it was so nearby, that there was a planet like that so nearby. Um, Also, um, from what I know of evolution, the, and I literally looked them up because they, they had the, like they were, these, these cave salamanders were definitely the inspiration for the creature design for the Janeway Paris final salamanders but if you look up cave salamander on the internet you'll find a little like whitish pinkish blind salamander that lives in the depths of caves and has these external gills on either side that kind of look like little pink tree branches and these salamanders have those things they're very slow they're blind but they're but they're like they have like specific adaptations for their environment and this seems like a step backward or I was like are we going in circles as we evolve like are we you know what I mean like I was like why would they choose something that already exists in a a less sophisticated life form on our current planet other than the fact that like they couldn't think of something else (laughs) Well, and that's kind of interesting because when I I definitely in this episode wanted to see how much got, no pun intended, mutated in the rewrite process. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And see, like, what did we start with compared to what did we end with and see how many things changed and, oh, this writer did this and stuff. And Brandon, um, I'm trying to find his name in the memory alpha notes. Brandon Braga. Braga, thank yeah. you. I don't have to say it very often. It's one of those names I read all the time. Yeah. But it he wanted the idea of evolution kind of working in a circle. Oh, he did. Okay, so I yes. I got so that he, from from it. It's it's great that you mentioned Amanda and body horror because he was definitely inspired by David Krogberg. Hello, listener. This is Lauren with a quick editor's note. I mentioned filmmaker David Cronenberg several times this episode. But I unfortunately call him David Kronberg. Oops. And now back to our episode. I think we're going to have to get into body horror to really get into the nooks and crannies of this episode. But he also wanted to make it a, a comment, much much of a sci-fi comment about what would happen if you went to Warp 10 and the idea if you can be everywhere at once, you know, future, the past, if you're you know maybe evolution is more of a reset and a loop rather than becoming sort of a sci-fi trope of like you're a glowy being with a big brain right right um yeah so so he definitely you fall in love with beverly crusher and then you turn into a blinding (laughs) orb of light and fly into the abyss (laughs) and um yeah so he one of his frustrations with this episode is that um 
he didn't really get to throw in um, a conversation kind of of uh, hammering that point more or getting that point across. Although I, I feel like with the cave salamanders, as you said, we kind of get that idea. Like they're evolving, but they're evolving, de-evolving at the same time. Yeah. You know? Like, I kinda, for, I like that forward feeling. is backwards is forward is backwards if you're on a circle. And I think that's <laughs> one of the problems with this episode is that I think there is a definite struggle between the sci-fi mission that Brandon Braga was on versus kind of more of this Tom Paris body horror. Story. Yeah. It it kind of it was like make up your mind what is happening here. Like also also uh like mid episode there's that that lieutenant that ends up uh trying to join the Kazon later. Like there's yeah, that tiny like Eddington no, that's Eddington no, is the guy no. from same sort of deal. Eddington's on DS9 and he defected oh, it, from right. yeah, Federation. It's Michael Eddington, right? And he's I remember that because he's obsessed with Les Mis, as am I. Oh. But this dude, I forget what his name is, but he's he's like he there's just one like yeah. tiny ass scene that doesn't need to be in there where he's like talking to a Kazon guy and he's like, Hey, I've got all the info from the warp ten flight and then it's that that's it <laughs> yeah does that ever go anywhere in another episode because in general i kind of skip the Kazon episodes when i go back to voyager yeah uh understandable um but <laughs> <laughs> yes it does it does come back in a later episode 10. um okay. i mean i don't think that it becomes specifically specifically about warp 10 it just becomes a story more about uh that lieutenant defecting because he doesn't believe they're yeah. gonna get back home so there was that like awkwardness in the writing and it also is so slow. This episode is it feels so like trudgy. He spends an entire episode like like slowly losing his skin and pulling his tongue out and and being really weird. <laughs> Which I actually don't mind. Like I <laughs> I love the idea of a Star Trek body horror episode. I'm kind of I'm one of those weirdos where I don't like watching horror movies. Me either. Um, I hate it. Or, I hate them. But I'm I'm fascinated by them because of the kind of themes that they work with and the imaginations that these writers and uh, go through. So um, I'm one of those people that I love reading about horror movies on like Wikipedia. Like mm. I want to know what happens and um, kind of when other people dissect them. And so there's actually... Quite a few horror movies and, um, you know, body horror elements or, you know, kind of cult films that I'm aware of, even though I won't, I won't watch them. And so. Yeah, I'm totally you know, I, 100% on the same page. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. this is kind of like body horror light. <laughs> it is. It is. But, but again, it like, like for me, it totally loses its bite once he, they're trying to correct him in the warp core yeah the, what like once he turns into generic sci-fi amphibian creature <laughs> it, the episode loses its bite like yes. i think it's far more interesting when he's just basically mutating and falling apart yeah and he's do you think that's because as... all of a sudden he doesn't have any teeth and his head is kind of cute <laughs> and he has no nose he has no nose yeah i mean well like let's bring up for instance um the fly uh yeah um like obviously the fly is a book it was turned into a old b movie and then it was remade in the 80s it's done by david cronberg which i said was um for braga like a huge influence in this episode so i think we kind of have to talk about it since he cites this yeah um and david cronberg by no means invented body horror but he's probably one of the more recognizable names for people just walking down the street yeah um a lot of people wouldn't be as familiar with body horror genre, but if you told them, hey, The Fly with Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum of the 80s, it was a huge film, they'd yeah. be like, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but for instance, in the very end, Jeff Goldblum doesn't turn into a fly. He turns into this horrible mutation of this hybrid human fly. You know, he turns yeah. into this own grotesque mutation. And I think one of the things 
for Tom is like by the end, he and Janeway literally turn into like you said, these cave salamanders that really exist. Yeah. And, it, and so it takes it very much into a sci-fi realm of, I mean, it's like if I walked in and you were just like a cat, like right? Walt, and I'd be like, oh, Larissa's a cat now. Um, and I would probably be fine. <laughs> you'd be like, I'm good. I'd be like, this is me now. Sorry if I'm getting in a tangent, but I can't. No, I this is it, this is interesting because I, I mean, I was more focused on like how <laughs> how this episode's terrible. <laughs> what well, is it is for me? I it's funny. I got like very academic about this once I started going into it, and I was like, interesting, interesting. I love um, that you did. I love it. Yes, I'm fascinated by this, but. Um, so if you just go on Wikipedia, if you don't know what body horror is, like I said, um, probably some two more recognizable ones to the average bear would be the fly and then um, the thing, which I know you have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a great little sci-fi movie. Who did that one? Uh, John Carpenter, right? Yeah. John Carpenter. Yeah. Yep. Duh. Um, another great one with Kurt Russell. That's like a good one, I think, to step into mm-hmm. um, kind of if you're getting into the genre. Um, but like if you go to Wikipedia, the definition defines body horror as a subgenre of horror that intentionally showcases graphic or psychologically disturbing violations of the human body. And, um, that's probably a good way to describe it. And yeah, movies like that, you know, you'll have disease, zombification, mutilation, mutations. It's just very disturbing variations of your body or other people's body. And I think one of the things that's really frightening about body horror is that I wrote down, it's disturbing because you lose logic and agency over your body and also your relationship to the world around you, whether that's the physical relationship or like when Tom like can't breathe because his lungs are mutating or you just don't know how to relate to the humans around you. Yeah. So there's a sort of this detachment, which is very alarming and I think with body horror, there is a huge psychological fear that comes from it. Yeah. And that psychological fear for this episode, I think, is explored in the first part where he's kind of becoming deranged. What Probably my favorite scene is the one where he's talking to Janeway. Yeah. And he kind of keeps flipping back and forth between, oh, like being obviously kind of almost um gone and like these thoughts of uh being superior and saying like well how do you know what's happening to me isn't better than you and yeah yeah um, yeah like yo-yos between that and him being like I'm sorry I'm not myself like please help me I'm scared um I kind of feel like that's my favorite moment in the whole episode and so you're you're kind of riding this wave of that and then once like I said he just turns into generic sci-fi salamander man um, right. It's like, oh, okay. Well, we're now to just a kind of more generic Star Trek alien as character, and now he's going to turn into a lizard. Whereas, like you were talking about Genesis and Troy with the gills and stuff, that episode I think keeps keeps it in this area where they don't let everyone just mutate into like a yeah. It's like they don't walk into a room and it's like, oh, they're a chimp now. Here, come on. Let's take your hand and walk you through the ship. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Yeah, like Barclay is half spider. And when he like pops up, you're like, oh my God, "Ah!" I love that. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. My other thing about it is that like they also, there is a threshold that (laughs) Tom (laughs) Paris's character crosses in which he is now no longer Tom Paris and he's following instincts and he's just now lizard thing. And at that point, it's like, uh, I don't even care. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know, I like, I don't, I don't care anymore. I am also like, I mean, I guess it it couldn't have been anyone else. But like, there's part of me that's like, not even not sure that like Paris was the right choice for this thing. Like, it all feels shoehorned in to me. I you was know? thinking about that, too, because... And this might go to my brother's first uh, first real question, which was like, what's the moral story about Tom turning into the salamander character and going into, you know, warp 10? And I I agree. It's like this, this story, if I had to describe it to someone, is like a Icarus story. It's a cautionary tale. It's like Icarus yeah. 
uh, flew too close to the sun and is now paying the consequences. Yeah. And that's what happens to Tom until they kind of take a strong left into more of just like the the sci-fi evolution thing. Yeah. I was about to say, Um, be careful what you wish for. You might become a lizard. (laughs) And, And I mean, that's what you see. Like, again, talking about Kronberg's The Fly. Uh, you know, he's he's a little careless, he's a little egotistical, and there's consequences because of that. And, and actually, I have to give Robert Duncan McNeil credit because he read the script and was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and uh, so he says, what is this about? Before you can even start to tell the story, you have to find the moral. What is the simplest point of this episode? Once you say that in a sentence, then that is what the episode is about. To me, the whole Warp 10 challenge and Salamanders and all of that frosting was about Paris trying to find some sort of salvation outside himself and ultimately realizing that he had to find his own self-worth from within. So I have to give him credit. Like as an actor, I think he realized that he needed to find Tom somewhere in the story. And, yeah, you know, he could only work with so much. But to yeah. me, yeah, it's like you don't really need all that giant salamander stuff at the end i think it's more about just tom facing these horrible consequences yes and then yeah i'm like why for the love of god why (laughs) like what like if the story is about tom needs to find something in himself (laughs) inside himself to to be happy and and content and to like to to live the life he should live but in order to get there he has to become a salamander first Yeah. Like uh no. <laughs> I think I think also I was thinking about this about the question of like does it have to be Tom? I you know, they've had episodes where stuff has happened to kind of random. I'm thinking of um Meld, the one where there's the serial killer uh, and the Betazoid. Yeah. You know, like they have things where they just have or actually like one of my favorites of Voyager is Ashes to Ashes with the Lindsay, like the random female. Yeah. Oh, I love person. that episode. I know. I mean it's not like the best episode of the world, but I But I love me. that episode. Yeah. And again, it's just like a random character, but I really liked what they did with her. I almost wish this was done with somebody who is a, a non essential voyager character yeah and just have this cautionary tale of him going full you know not salamander but just like gone right and him dying in the end honestly and them just being like oh shit maybe we shouldn't do warp 10 yeah yeah so like so dan this is his first experience with voyager so like he didn't know he was like how many of these people are main characters and i was like all of them uh sorry and he was like and so he cried he was like so this this dude's not gonna die is he gonna die he should die he needs to die just die and then at one point he was like rip off your ear oh i thought that was gonna happen no and yeah was yeah he was like rip off your ear and he didn't know that there was a tongue ripping out scene later but i was like oh okay that that might be like the only part of this episode that you enjoy <laughs> The episode is like, hold my beer. Hold my beer, <laughs> ripping out my tongue. Uh, also, this episode won an Emmy for makeup. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. I, the scene where the head bulging when he's talking to Janeway That's is legitimately the creepy, and I, I noticed it. And yes. it's great because it's not overdone. You yeah. kind of get a few minutes into the scene until you're like, oh, God, his Ew, head is, is it moving? bulging and pulsating. Ew. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's so disgusting. It's just, I'm going to preface my next comment this way, which is that there are a lot of horror episodes of Star Trek out there. And I do enjoy a lot of them as someone who's not a fan of horror at all. Like I tend to get really like emotionally affected by the media I consume. I tend to like have nightmares for long periods of time after seeing something scary. Like especially if it's like really, really well woven because it's it's like woven to like infect your psyche basically and, and to like make you feel awful. And I, that's, I hate that, (laughs) but this episode doesn't do any of that for me. And it makes me upset because there are so many elements, like like a lot of the stuff that you brought up with 
the psychological effects of a transformation like that, the the things that body horror as a genre can do really well, it doesn't do any of those things. It's just, mm. it, it falls short. And like what that says to me is that it could have been good, but it isn't like, and not, and, and, you know, we do a lot of, we say a lot of this regularly that like, we love Star Trek. Star Trek does a lot of things great. And sometimes it just falls short. And this is like, this isn't, this doesn't just fall short. This, this falls into a category of like, what the fuck were you thinking (laughs) for me personally? This falls into the category of, I, I don't understand like who let this get made (laughs) in a lot of ways. I could literally just never watch this episode again. And I would be fine. But, you know, I probably will because I it happens. Also, at the same time, like on paper, in some ways, this has all of the elements that like attract me to sci fi. In general, it's got the like bonkers sci fi premise that that is like, you know, not possible in in the time that we live in now. It's it's imaginative. It's like it's so far out there and. All of those things I I'm attracted to, but, but it's just, no. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this. It's almost like in a way they wanted their A story and B story to be the emotional journey of Tom and then more of the sci-fi logical transformation this is what's happening this is the sci-fi thing we explanation of why it's happening and how we fix it and they like some of the other episodes we're hoping it would dovetail nicely and it doesn't like instead you just have two unsatisfying premises that both just kind of flop at the end yeah this should have been one where they they should have you know picked a picked a lane (laughs) yeah they're they're just like they're so this episode is all over the fucking place because like the beginning of it is also like like sweet little moment in the mess hall and neelix saves the day dude like (laughs) it's it sets it up to be like la 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 la, da 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 like and then it just spirals into sci-fi nonsense you know what i mean like the tone like the tone yeah. that they set up is like so i mean <laughs> they just kind of switch horses like midway through and they really like, do oh, okay they really do it's it's a yeah yeah and i think what what you know happens again in um body horror and just movies in general is that fear of the unknown is a great vessel to explore other themes and just put a plot. Like if you think about, again, going back to John Carpenter's The Thing, we never get like crazy concrete answers, but Mm. we don't need them. I mean, think about like even Alien and Aliens where it was just Ripley shows up. There are these scary aliens, which that movie was inspired by like slasher films. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy thing about, I mean, that's the great thing about a good slasher film, especially those old school ones, is that we don't need like a 20 minute scene that goes into the explanation of like, well, this is the killer's background. And I, yeah. mean, I know those franchises eventually did, but like, that's what's so terrifying is just like this unknown force that's out to get you. Yeah. Uh, it's like Jaws. It's yeah, like Jaws. yeah, Jaws exactly. Is just a mean ass shark who wants to chomp you. Yeah, but it's and, almost um, like in this episode, the 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 fear of the the unknown moments, the like yes. we don't all those unknown things are things that like this is Starfleet. They would want to explore that, and they don't. Or even the little things. Like I love it when when Milana um, and Tom are just like trying Neil's new coffee, and he's like, "Oh God, this is horrible," and she's like. It's fine to me. Yeah. Um, but kind of, it's fun. Like, they have, like, a little fun crescendo, and they can yeah. only do that so much because it's a 45-minute episode, but... I know. And they um, t- and it takes too fucking long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's it, it's just, like, if, again, I'm kind of repeating myself, but it was more about Tom and going through this, you know, like, he gets fixed at the end, but at the same time, maybe maybe we don't need all the answers of, like oh, well, what he's doing is he's evolving, but it means de-evolving to this cave salamander. And, and, um, yeah, we didn't need that. We didn't need the, 
the like the theory about like like early EMH who is very abrasive and yes. <laughs> and Wake up, lieutenant. <laughs> Honestly, I mean it, those were some of my favorite moments in the episode. Uh but saying like I think I know what's happening and he's evolving like that whole thing like I could have done without all of that explanation because it weakened everything like yeah because yes. it took the mystery away like if it was the whole time like we don't fucking know what's happening like we don't fucking know what happens at warp 10 like we still don't know everything's insane like what 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 they're lizards now why we don't know like that would have been better than like they're evolved uh, well, and I it's, think it's to me, great if it's just like a cautionary tale and more of a, like you said, like careful what you wish for or when what the consequences of when humans try to move too fast or play God. Yes. You know, it's like, yes, you know, it's kind of like Pandora's box sort of things where it's like some doors are just not meant to be open. At yes. least not now. And I yes. would have I think it would have been far more. um effective of a story if it was just they didn't know exactly what happened to tom Mm -hmm. and again it's just like oh shit we went to warp 10 and it was frightening and there are some things we don't understand yet even though it's the future and we're starfleet yeah Um, and they could have just left the whole janeway thing out of it also why should we get to that that was so can we talk about this up i've been kind of toying with this end uh conversation too but i want you to start uh, I want you to start this segment. So yeah, first, first she was like, okay, there's, it's a captain and Lieutenant relationship. She's his superior. It's, it's weird. And Zach, my brother-in-law said, it seemed like they were trying to write. They were, it was, it was one of those issues with Janeway where they're trying to figure out how to write her uh, as a, progressive woman who's like ladies initiate it too um like there is it's a it's very obviously a man writing of a, a a female an empowering female moment <laughs> for a female character but it it kind of comes across like like that sounds like a dude wrote it <laughs> you know what i mean oh so you that's interesting so you guys thought that line was to empower janeway whereas i thought that was their way of trying to be like he didn't rape her because she says hey it could have been me also that also that yes <laughs> that yes. was like that's the only thing that kind of starts to to get them out of that territory where she's like ah, it could have been me it could have been the female and it's like yeah oh, okay, well, they're trying to make sure it doesn't um yeah come across as too rapey yeah it's like it's like uh okay so they're evolving to like a they've evolved past us but they're now quadrupeds uh without opposable thumbs who don't have uh the concept of consent <laughs> and then how th- how they just like at the end again with that conversation just sort of like brush it off and like have a laugh about it she is so chill i think he's more disturbed about it than she is she's just like <laughs> space am i right <laughs> <laughs> she is so chill <laughs> The, 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 the I love how you like put your hand on your hip and you're like you space. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, well, he says something about like I feel like something's wrong, and I just wrote yes, something should be wrong. <laughs> like this is very. I mean, obvious. All right. So let's, uh, let's put it this way. Like obviously, it's the idea, and we don't know at what point they mate. Like, is she just? Is her hair falling out? But she's like, I want to mate with you, Salamander Man. Right. Like, how Salamander? How long did it like, take her to change? Like, Tom is already a Salamander, and she's my brother in law brought this up, and he's waiting for her. They're on the planet, and she's like going through all this shit that Tom went through, like in the mud <laughs> in this swamp jungle. Yeah. So we never get an answer to how quickly it happens to her, but also like when this mating took place right um but but it is the only thing i can uh, equate this to is if you and a good friend like both woke up and you both were drinking and were like oh man we hooked up yeah which is still like uh, which is so weird (laughs) 
because <laughs> I understand that he's mutating. Like, I do realize this is a sci-fi world, and he's now a monster, like, you know, almost like a B-movie monster-esque, like, I'm a salamander, and I have to get a mate. Like, I totally get that. But there's also something weird about it because, I mean, I think there are people who commit crimes in general under the influence of drugs, alcohol, or uh, like homicidal rage. Yes. And we don't let them off the hook for that. No. So it's kind of like this weird message where Janeway's just like, hey, that's okay. You are a salamander man. But at the same time, I mean, I'm not saying like Tom needs to be put in the brig. I'm just saying if you try to think of a situation even close to that in the real world, yes. it's problematic. Yes, yes. And she gives him a commendation at the end instead, you know? She- <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about, like, um, consequences of his actions. Like, he yeah. goes to this, this, this crazy fuckery. It's a, if anything, he's much more um, regretful about the whole situation. Yes. You know, he's like, oh, this didn't satisfy me on an emotional level and what happened to me physically and what I did to my captain has horrified me. Like, yes. Those, those really should be the end points. And yeah, Janeway is just like, whoo, that was crazy. <laughs> Here's accommodation. It is true. I mean, honestly to me, like the more interesting story would be like, what does somebody do after some crazy space shit happens to them? Like what's the process of like, of recovery because in in Trek in most Star Trek uh especially like you know TOS through Voyager I mean there's no there's no recovery in in almost any there's there's family in uh yes. TNG but like and and there are a couple episodes of DS9 but like there's no like there's no process of like like dealing with PTSD. There's no there's no like like a uh, psyche eval after something like this happens with a counselor where they're like how is everything going? Like we're going to follow up with you on this and like we're going to have conversations about it. You literally turned into a lizard and then had sex with your captain. Like had been and, produce and produced offspring which... with whom you have no contact now because you abandoned them on an on a on a planet somewhere. Like this is this is the interesting thing to me. Like, I want to know what the fuck do you do after this? But this is Star Trek. So, of course, the episode ends and we never discuss it again. <laughs> we will never but, again speak of this. But you're so right. Like, you know, Picard turns into a Borg, which is horrible. And he has yeah. full memory of again, it. Again, body horror, horror as is, well. Yes. Yes. And he's uh, violated and he is forced to do all these horrible things. And... Um, you know they have an episode like you said family that goes into it but this is like might even be more messed up than that it's like hey you yeah you, you, yeah mutated and um yeah yeah like all the things you just brought up <laughs> all the things you just brought up and yeah oh. this, on to the next episode <laughs> and and afterwards you're like Okay, everything's fine, and I found inner peace because I realize that it's all about what I think and not about what other people think, and that's what you learn from becoming a lizard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what space salamander transformation uh, teaches us. Oh God, it's so weird. It's just so fucking weird. I have some random notes. <laughs> okay, I wrote this is before. They decided Bellana's eyebrows needed to be thinner. <laughs> this, this is before a lot of things. This is before uh, the Bob. This is <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. This is this is still Jane Austen hair uh, time yes. for Janeway. <laughs> Till the end, I think she's a little more casual. I think it's it might be half up. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. She has like a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Like, oh, oh P.S. Also, then um, like, doesn't the doctor say like I'm gonna keep you both in sick bay for the next three days? Like they have their little conversation, and they're just gonna be hanging out in sick bay for three days together. Like, there you go. I want to know what those three days were like. That's what I want. <laughs> I don't need any of this other bullshit, right? 
that's the night in sick bay we want to watch yes exactly um, we don't need a beagle i just want to i just want to see what the hell is going on with janeway and paris so that was a random observation yeah. also i love how they do one successful uh holodeck test simulation one. and they're just ready to go and risk not only a crewman um, but a shuttle, which I feel like that's an important resource. Right? I mean, they're yeah. stuck in the Delta Quadrant with no connection to Starfleet and the Federation. Like, they're alone, and they're just like, let's try this science experiment. It might which I work. realize they want to get home, but I feel like Janeway would be like, okay, guys, you're going to take a week, and you're going to try to do 100 simulations in a row perfectly before i even allow this yes but they do one and they're like all right get let's in there. do it also also there was like a moment where like someone else in engineering is like there's a phase variance in the warp fields but it should be fine <laughs> natural Just, we i put was some duct tape i was mm. like this is literally your only chance <laughs> and you're and you're like okay with this you're okay with I'm- all of these uh, I'm just thinking how long it takes, like the FDA, to, or you know, like a face wash to get approved, and right? You know how many stages? Um, you know, we're in the middle of the coronavirus vaccine marathon, and right? Just, it's like it's gonna take a while, that, yeah, and stages, and this stage, and this stage. You know, there's just so much involved. So it's funny to watch this episode and and just see them green lighted. Yep, in a, and like a drop of a hat. We're not gonna wait for a peer reviewed study. <laughs> Okay, we're not? Okay, cool. Also, that whole thing with Tom having an enzymatic imbalance yes, and how yes. it doesn't... It obviously wasn't the thing that caused the thing because it happened to Janeway too and we never... And we're assuming that she doesn't have this imbalance. So, like... Was that whole scene just for Tom to be like, I want to do the fly? Yes, that, <laughs> that- <laughs> exactly. The only reason that happens is so that Tom has a moment to express to the viewer why it's so important that he goes and that he has this ego. Or I should say he has this insecurity. Yeah. That he, he has something to prove, damn it. Um, when it really which- totally could have been... Like, here's a thing that actually ends up causing the thing. And the moral could be like, you need to do your fucking research before you try something dangerous. Don't be an idiot. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I wrote. I wrote this brain. I called it imbalance, too, because I think they call it something a little more fancier. But yeah, this brain imbalance or whatever should really be the catalyst. Tom takes the risk due to ego and suffers consequences. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I'm going back to the fly, but, you know, that's what happens is um, Jeff Goldblum's character, the scientist, um, Rundle, you know, he he is alone and he decides to run the machines himself, which is sort of careless. And he thinks he's got everything mapped out. And then, of course, the house fly buzzes in. And, and again, it's sort of like, great, you wanted to you moved a little too fast and you cut some corners and you sort of let caution to the wind and now you're paying the consequences. But yeah, I wrote that's like, here's something they actually could have worked with. Yeah. And again, it's not that we have to have a, it's just, it's just, again, it's why it happened and, and, and still just leave it to this again, like cautionary tale. Like maybe we don't know exactly what happened or if it would have, I mean, you, you said it happened to Janeway too. So, but I think we also yeah. agreed we could just take the Janeway part out. Could we just take that whole part out? It really could. It really could just be he gets off the ship, they find him, and he's a full, like, if they're going to keep Cave Salamander, he's just there alone. Or with other people, beings that have, although that would be weird, too, if they just yeah, left them, but I don't <laughs> understand. I don't know how the Prime Directive works with that. Right? I was also thinking about that, too. I was like... Me, too. Um, Prime Directive, so there are these... They they come from humans, and we're just going to... I mean, aren't, we, aren't you we're fucking potenti- with that planet if you leave the kids? Exactly. Like, aren't you yeah. like technically fucking with the the like whole universe in some way because <laughs> because of this shit, this bullshit? Also, the babies were cute. <laughs> I like how they swim off, though. Maybe they're just like, oh, we were going to take them, but now we have to capture them. Let's just forget. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. I just 
So they Teleport they okay. left the they left the children there unsupervised for the rest of their existence because they were <laughs> lazy. <laughs> <laughs> We just want to go. <laughs> oh man! Uh, like they couldn't okay. find them. Yeah, that that also again is like another thing that would have been way more interesting. Like, are you gonna? Are we gonna investigate this? Th- are are we gonna see if they are actually human in, in some way? Like, are we gonna? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Bye, babies. Good luck to you. <laughs> we're gonna leave some. We're gonna leave some cat food here. Right. We'll leave you uh, some fruit snacks. Some fresh water. Here's a here's, bowl of water here, in a box. Here's some hot. Here's some hot pockets. <laughs> oh. Okay, I actually wanted to ask you. Um, you know, you and your sister brought up the Janeway scene, but I also wanted to ask you your thoughts on the on the kiss me scene an interaction between Tom and Kess because I wrote, maybe she doesn't want to kiss a mutant. Like, I like how her explanation is just like, oh, I can't go in there because of the gas. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you just don't want to. Yep. I mean, <laughs> and she does. My my literal thoughts about that in the moment were, I feel like I've said that to someone before. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's, Sorry, I can't. I can't. The I, gas out of the force we, field. Sorry. <laughs> the next, oh, my God. The next time. Uh, like one day when I'm back out in the world and somebody, if somebody ever hits on me again, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, we can't let the gas out of the force field. And the guy's like, I always get that line. <laughs> I just like, I'm, I'm looking for, that's what I'm looking forward to now in my future is, is getting to rebuff some man somewhere and confuse the shit out of him by making a reference to this episode of Star Trek Voyager so that they are left dumbfounded and I can easily get away. <laughs> I like this plan. It's a good plan, I think. And then you just teleport. Yep. And then I just disappear and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. Well, um, Yeah. There are a lot of people out there that like Voyager is not their favorite. If 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 you're just talking about uh, Trek, the first four in the franchise, Voyager tends to be ranked the lowest. Um, yeah, and, and that's because I, I mean, especially once once TNG took off and it was a you know like a national international phenomenon, you know. Um, and then you would do Space Nine, and I think a lot of people saw Voyager as sort of the the beginning of the end of that that thrust of Star Trek. Yeah, success. The, the like golden era, the the like the peak era of Star Trek in the '90s. Yeah, for sure. And and I've also expressed like how I feel about this, and like the 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 writing, and how like it, Janeway was written in this sort of very strange way, where like it felt like they weren't sure what to do with her sometimes, but. I do love a lot of this series, a lot. Um, I mean, technically, out of any Star Trek series, Voyager, um, eighty upwards of 80% of episodes of Star Trek Voyager pass the Bechdel test, which, if you don't know what that is, is a... Uh, it's a test. It was a test written by uh, author Alison Bechdel. And basically, you have to pass... Um, a few rules. Is there more than one named female character? Do they have a conversation? And is that conversation about something other than a man? I have heard of this now. Yeah. And over 80% of Star Trek Voyager episodes pass this test. And that is just because the captain is a woman and the chief engineer is a woman. That's all you need because every episode they have some techno babble that they got to talk about. So <laughs> it's it's almost like it's like an example of like how simple it is to actually make this happen. And then to look at the fact that like most movies, most Hollywood movies and most TV shows do, do not pass this test. There's I think such it's such like, a simple criteria like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Because like if you think about it on TNG a lot of the conversations that Beverly and Deanna have are about a man, about the captain or about Riker or about someone that one of them is seeing. So 
like some sometimes they have a conversation about something else like their conversation about um like uh, taking the test the commander um, yeah yeah that or yeah, their conversation in remember me where bev's like am i going crazy and deanna's like no you're not you're fine um that passes the test you know but like so so this this series in general is i think very important in star trek in sci-fi and just in general because of that specifically but i mean i have to say that <laughs> if i were to pick uh excluding code of honor which is the worst episode ever if i were to pick one of my least favorite episodes of tng and compare it to this episode this episode is always going to be the worst wow that's are you saying this is worse than Code of Honor? No, I mean I mean excluding Code of Honor because oh, okay. there is a, there is say, a damn. That's, <laughs> no, because there is something. a special place in hell for Code of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> but like I would rather watch Justice. Oh yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and like I, I we we talked about Justice with some friends on another podcast, but I gave the observation that uh Keith said he understood why this was a bad episode but he said i'm entertained at least Mm -hmm. and like you said this one kind of starts to stall and plot along and i think there's something to be said for uh episode that's not as successful but still kind of a guilty pleasure in some way for people yes yes yeah and this is not for you for amanda it is yeah it's a guilty pleasure for her but for you it just yeah yeah it's just i no i could do no, I'm I'm glad that we did this and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts on Voyager just to kind of add to your uh, observations is that I like to describe Voyager as um Star Trek empty calories. Um hmm. I which I used to describe more as like a Star Trek candy, but that seemed like a little not quite accurate. Uh it's funny because there's two like Star Trek TNG, I can put on while I'm doing something else because I've seen those episodes so many times, I don't have to break away. Yeah, to really focus on them. Yeah, Voyager, the fact that they're so, again, like empty calories. It's like it's okay if I'm distracted. That's if that makes sense. Like it's a different type of experience where yeah, it's like oh, Janeway comes back to the ship and there's giant bugs who have taken over and they got to shoot him. Like okay. Yeah. It's all right. And so um, that's how I feel about it. For me, it's a good one to, to put on because it's it doesn't ever get usually so deep that it needs my full attention. And, yes. And, um, whereas like Deep Space Nine, I find, even though I've, I've seen a lot of those episodes multiple times, I'm still at a stage where it's like that one, I have to sit down and watch it. Unless it just happens to be one of those ones that I have seen multiple times. Unless it's the Vulcan baseball episode. <laughs> Death to the opposition. <laughs> I I uh, will agree with you on that. Um, especially with these early seasons of Voyager. Um, I feel like once they, they get... Uh, honestly, I, I've... I know that they were in some ways adding seven of nine to add sex appeal to the show, but I think that seven of nine was a great asset to the writing. And I think that they did a lot with her as a character. And I think that the, the series got a lot deeper once they became more of a, of a a series sort of about the Borg. Um, But before that, it was just like, what weird shit can we get into now? We don't know because we're in this part of space that we've never been in. And it's, well, and you I, know. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I've read that Voyager, they did use the original series as an inspiration as far as it being more of an adventure of the week. Yeah. They wanted to get back to that a little bit more. And, uh, but at the same time, they still were trying to do this. This We even alluded it to it earlier with the um, the guy who kind of defects to the the. Kazon? I was going to say yep. Kurzon. Um, right. The Kurzon Kazon. There's so many names in Trek that are like almost the same. I know. Ugh. Like Narek and Garrick. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Narissa and, and Larissa. Come on. Yeah. No. 
No. What was it? What was dude's name last week? It was uh the the Vulcan dude that plays the Vulcan on Voyager. Oh, it was like uh Torek. Torek and, and Vorik. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> I just need like I like to think there's just like this master list of names and people can check real quick to see yeah. if, like oh we already did that okay, yeah let's, no let's change change the name. first letter just change the first letter real quick <laughs> add an R yeah <laughs> something something give us something uh, yeah make the syllable a little bit different add an add an apostrophe <laughs> <laughs> um so in conclusion. If you've never seen Voyager, don't start with this episode. Um, I mean, honestly, part of me wants to say don't start with any episode from the first three seasons of Voyager. <laughs> it broke Dan. It, you do not want to break your it, loved ones. broke him. He did say at the end, like, it was nice that they acknowledged that they had sex, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I also failed to tell him that this is a bad episode and it's, I'm not, I don't think it's a good episode. <laughs> oh, you didn't give him any warning before you guys watched <laughs> no. it? I mean, oh, I told, I told him about it. I was like, there's body horror. It's uh, kind of disgusting and it's really weird. Um, and I have to watch it today. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm always like, Keith. Keith Lurus and I are recording. Like, I have to watch this. It's for work. <laughs> it's for work. It's official. It's for work. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, don't. Please don't watch this episode. I mean, if you were to skip this episode, if you want to watch Voyager and you were to skip this episode, that would be fine. You're not missing anything. And you might be, like, rescuing yourself from wasting 45 minutes. If anything, uh, if you want to watch this, it is fun when you run into another Star Trek fan, and if they're talking about the Space Salamander episode, you can, you can relate, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's probably the only reason, just so you can share the uh, the the battle scar that is yep. watching Threshold. But um, anyways, anyway, don't watch this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We're 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 still like just like so over the moon that people are enjoying our podcast. <laughs> we promise we'll talk about it an episode of Star Trek in the future. That's not a terrible episode. <laughs> ah, but this was very fun. I will I will say that talking about this episode was way more fun than watching this episode <laughs> yes and i think getting our um brother and sisters you know thank you to amanda and john for being willing participants in this and letting us use their thoughts for us to bounce off of we really got a kick out of reading them and answering them yay and thank you to to my brother-in-law zach also for putting up with this and also thank you and i'm sorry to my partner dan who I yes, apologies to Zach and Dan for, <laughs> for breaking you both. Uh, okay, we'll be back in a couple weeks with something new. We've got cool things on the horizon. We've got cool things across the threshold. <laughs> My hair is falling out. <laughs> Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show, on Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. It's very cute to see uh, Patrick Stewart scaled. <laughs> to see him get jumpy. <laughs> yeah, he gets really nervous.